Hey everyone, this is Kent C. Dodds on the Remix Podcast, and I'm so excited to chat with Martin Bavio about how to make user experiences better for the web. Martin, say hi. Hi, Kent. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure to, to have you on the podcast. Now, we've uh, crossed paths many times over the, the years, I feel like, uh, through open source and Discord communities and Twitter and stuff. Um, I, I can't recall the first time we um, ran across each other, but I feel like it's been several years now. Yeah, probably something about me watching some of your videos. Uh, <laughs> I crossed your path before, so. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. So um, I'd love for people to get to know you a little bit, Martin. Could you give us an intro to yourself? Sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm Martin. I'm actually Martin. Uh, it's enough. Ah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, but that's, that's I'm pretty used to Martin too. Uh, I'm from Argentina, so based on the on what I heard on your conversation with Sergio, I'm pretty sure your kid is gonna be happy. That's yeah, I I told Argentina. him about that. <laughs> I, I told my son about that today and he's like, what, really? So he's <laughs> going to go nuts. Like, I talked to another Argentinian, uh, Argentinian, is it Argentine or Argentinian? It's Argentinian, yep. Yeah, I talked to another Argentinian today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually live in Argentina, so, uh, and I've been doing web development for 15 years, I think. Uh, wow, wow. So, yeah, it's... I'm getting old and I'm starting to forget <laughs> the the origins. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've been I started with Flash, so I came from long back. And uh, yeah, these days uh, trying new stuff always and like uh, trying to jump into the Remix uh, boat. Yeah, that's awesome. So. Um, as somebody who's been doing, and, and that's not just software dev, but web dev for 15 years. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. 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 You're like an OG on web. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, no, yeah. like web. Uh, so I think JavaScript just turned 20 this uh, last year, if I am not mistaken. So, um, yeah, you're pretty early on there, though. Um, so I, I know that Ryan likes to talk about how uh, Ryan Florence, he, he started using the web before CSS was invented. Um, <laughs> so he's he's definitely an OG there. But um, yeah, I, uh, um, I always appreciate hearing the perspective of people who've been around for a long time because um, in particular, uh, Remix uh, remixes the old stuff with the, the new stuff. And uh, people who've been around for a while seem to, uh, that, that really resonates with them. Um, now, one, one thing I'm actually curious about with you is I've noticed that you're pretty active, in, or you were at least in the Next community, the Next.js community. Uh, is that right? So um, what is your uh, level of activity and involvement in the Next.js community? And have you like completely switched over? Or are you seeing that there are use cases that you prefer Next still? Or what? what is your thoughts there? Yeah. Uh, sure. So next day, I started actually using it like I think in next two, because like because of the Argentinian origin. So you have Guillermo, and you also have other like core developers of Next mm. that were also Argentinians. So for us, it was kind mm. of a thing of proud when Next.js came. Yeah, uh, sure. Launch it. So uh, yeah, I started using it pretty early. At the beginning, it was mostly like server-side rendering. Funny enough, uh, right. and like. I think uh, 
like I am still using it for especially for like uh, clients. Uh, I do some freelancing mm. and like clients these days. Like I think Next had a pretty huge 2020, and especially I think 2021 where like they just blow. So like yeah. a lot of people that know nothing about web dev in general know about Next.js, and that's like mm. that's when you kind of can say that you're actually mainstream. So mm. a lot of clients without context, they just ask for Next.js. So I'm still using it. Uh, I haven't fully switched to Remix, but I'm, I think I'm starting to switch on all the kind of personal projects and whatever I experiment with, I'm trying to use Remix. Uh, the reason, I think, is mostly because like it's kind of the evolution in a way. I see like a lot of people are like, especially like these people that are like uh, just trolls everywhere. Mm. Like they're talking about like going full circle and like talking about like we're just going back to where we were. I believe in this spiral story, like this narrative mm -hmm. where like we're actually kind of making progress, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So I believe next year was a progress at that time. And like even the SBAs and all that stuff we did, I, I believe it was a progress for totally. some reasons. And yeah, so we keep progressing. And I feel like uh, projects like Remix are actually a progress on what we were. So yeah, I just, I'm trying to always keep the evolution progress. So yeah. Yeah, I, I love I think that's awesome. Uh, like if, if we were still building web apps the way that you were back in uh, 15 years <laughs> ago, like, uh, that would be a little difficult with the expectations that our users have now. Um, Pretty boring, yeah, so, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, full page refreshes are just not the sort of thing that our users want these days. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I, I feel like um, the these advancements are um, like, it, it. ultimately it all comes back down to the user experience and what's the user experience that we want to offer to our users. And there are things that we can do with Remix that we can't do with other frameworks. And so, yeah, I agree. It, it is a progress in that sense where we can now have new capabilities available to us that we never could do before. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And something that I feel like is important is to, I always try to kind of think about reasons why this thing happened. So why we actually, for example, went into the SBA and the Jamstack narrative, I don't mm. think it was just like because we just wanted to reinvent ourselves. Yeah. I feel like at that time, like when Gmail came of, came around, which was kind of the first mainstream like SBA, I feel like there was this war between the web and like all the native stuff like with apps uh, on the iPad and like on Android. So like uh, there was an actual war in there and like the web was pretty close to lose. Uh, like, and the apps were like, and the, like the, there was some actual real danger in there that, that we were about to lose like this freedom of the web. Mm. So uh, I feel like this narrative, like in that time we were trying to, in a way, mimic some of the app aspects for the web, like this, like not reloading the entire thing, making it more responsive. So there was actually a reason for like the Jamstack and the SPA to actually happen. And I feel like I feel appreciation for the people that actually push it for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, now we've kind of come to times where like we can actually kind of get the best of that. But on some parts, like make remember that some point parts of the past were also good. 
So this remix actually makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that perspective. Um, and, and that's an interesting uh, perspective as well to think that like, um, if spas hadn't come out, then uh, the user experience of like, if we had stayed with what we had 15, 20 years ago, uh, and just said, no, nope, this is good enough. And we hadn't innovated um, into what we are now saying is a poor user experience. Um, if we hadn't gotten to that point, then we may never have, um, or the the landscape of the web would be so different now. And maybe it yeah. would just be documents. And anytime yeah. you wanted to do an app, it was like a native thing. Um, exactly. Yep. Which is a total shame. That that would have been terrible. I, I love the web. And I think it's, it's my certainly my favorite platform to develop for. It's the only platform I develop for. I don't do any any mobile stuff or, or native stuff um, just because I, I feel like the, the web is, it's a really special place. Um, it has a lot of really awesome things about it. Um, and the fact that uh, that nobody owns the web, um, not no one company owns all of that. And I, I really appreciate that about it, the web. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The opportunities that the web kind of brought, uh, that's like something that it impressed me like when I had like 14 or 13 years old, which was my first real experience with the, with the web, like the fact that anyone can actually kind of publish something and show it to the world uh, and they don't have to ask for permission. Uh, mm -hmm. That's a lot of things that today are being used, some other narrative with this web tree thing, but they're kind of mm -hmm. very native to the web itself. And I also, also like felt in love and I've also never done like uh, app development, mostly because I'm in love with what the web represents and how mm -hmm. fun it's also to build for the web. Because you have a lot of challenges, like I don't know, like people that are, that are doing app development, they don't like, for example, to deal with the, the, the browser and uncertainties where you can have different mm. sizes and like. And for me, that's freaking awesome because like you have this <laughs> thing which is uncertain, right? It's like a bit like life. It's like you cannot control it. That's like parenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I, I actually really appreciate that about the web. So tell me a little bit about the, the work that you do. So you mentioned that you have clients, so I'm guessing you do consulting um, is mostly what you're doing. I'm more particularly interested in the kinds of apps that you build and the constraints that they have. Uh, yeah, so uh, I typically do consulting work for like uh, as a freelance. Uh, sometimes I like I join a particular company or startup because like I find that thing interesting and I only work for that. That's my current scenario. So right now I'm working for a very earlier startup called Archimy that is doing like, and we're basically building an e-commerce builder. Uh, so it's, it's oh. this kind of no code thing, but especially for e-commerce, uh, which I think I joined this company mostly because of the technical challenges that a product like this represents. Mm. And it's using React. So I can also kind of get to know a bit better about like, this stuff that we, you never need to do, like uh, memoization and all that stuff that kind of, uh, in this case, is pretty important. So, mm. yeah. Uh, so right now I'm doing that kind of thing. And I've always been involved in e-commerce related stuff, mostly because like I feel like e-commerce projects in a way, actually, uh, they tend to express more gratitude towards web develop developers. Because like mm. you actually get like, every microsecond means money. So your work is actually 
uh, appreciated. Yeah, like, yeah. If you're building, I don't know, like contact pages, and sometimes it doesn't matter. It, it's like <laughs> just. Yeah, they actually kind of hope that there's a bug on the contact page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that that sounds like a very interesting project. So uh, your role there is mostly UI, front end, uh, that sort of thing, I'm guessing? Yeah, cool. yeah I'm, I'm, like, I know some backend, but like, I always say that like, I wouldn't call myself a full stack because I've worked with some backend developers and I know that they, I've seen what they can do and I would never do that. So like, I'm not <laughs> like at all. Yeah. You know what though? Remix makes, makes it feel to me like I am a full stack developer because it allows me to do a lot of stuff like talk to the database directly. And, and on my website, I like generate a podcast episode, um, you know, with a, an audio recording from the browser. And like, so I'm doing like really backend stuff. And, and um, partway through my website rewrite, I realized, oh my gosh, I've been writing way more backend code than I am writing front end. Like, am I a backend engineer now? Like, what, <laughs> what is going on? Um, yeah, before Remix, um, so like I, I joined up in the web dev community around like six to maybe eight years ago. Like, so it was around seven years ago. and. Um, and the first company I joined up with was already very heavily invested in client side. It was a startup, we brand new, everything. So we were all doing client side stuff. And so for my whole web career, I was um, only doing half of what web dev really is. Uh, and I, I always kind of found it odd that like I would talk to backend engineers and they would say they're web devs working with like Java or something. I'm like, wait, Java is a web dev thing? Like, of course I knew that like I knew that there's you know you could do HTML CSS and sprinkle JavaScript but it just like there was a little cognitive dissonance there when I talked to somebody who didn't do a lot of JavaScript but called themselves a web dev uh, and so then I like now with Remix and when and even even at PayPal I did an, uh, quite a bit of Node um, and backend stuff but it mostly still was a lot of front front end and so now with Remix I'm finding myself uh, uh, or I'm finding that uh, Remix bridges that gap between the front end and the back end so well that I um, I am a full stack web dev. So like I'm, I'm doing back end, front end, uh, whatever end needs to be done, a Remix <laughs> enables me to do that. Yeah. In a way, like, uh, like I came from like, when I started doing this, there wasn't a front and a back end. You were just doing web development, right? So it feels yeah. a bit like going back there. Uh, and like I have like the, the blog post where I wrote about like the Amazon's Rails. I feel yeah, like that's yeah. also like when I was doing Rails development before like jumping fully into frontend, it felt a bit like that. Uh, I didn't have this kind of now I'm doing frontend, now I'm doing backend. I was just building a website uh, and kind of having that feeling back where you don't have the, this kind of thing where like you're like, oh, I'm this place where I don't, I know nothing about, or I shouldn't be working on this because this is backend, and there is a separation on the actual tool that is telling you that this is backend. Remix is not doing that at all, so it's nice to go back to this uh, mental, like this mindset where you're just building a web app, a website, or a product, and that's all, that's it, right? Uh, and that's pretty good for like, uh, I remember in the Rails times there there was the the entire startup thing was happening like like in parallel with Rails because people were being kind of encouraged to build 
And Remix, in a way, it feels similar that you're encouraged to build. Uh, and that's it. And that's pretty cool. Seriously, I, I um, what's interesting, th- uh, the interesting thing for me as somebody who's never used Rails um, was it always seemed to me like Rails made you productive in large part because of the CLI and that you could just like generate a bunch of stuff, you know, move really quickly. Uh, it did have like some stuff built in. Remix doesn't uh, do that as much yet. Eventually we'll have our CLI do that. But what makes me feel like I'm so productive with Remix is just the abstractions have just been nailed so well that um, uh, they they just manage things from the abstraction point of view. Um, and so like I can't eat, like I'm super looking forward to the Remix CLI as anything like the Rails CLI because then you're just going to be moving like a monster. Like it's going to be awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. Super yeah, productive. And, and like with uh, with Remix, now it's not just we handle your back end and we drop you off of the network cliff and you just handle the front end. But um, there's just this really nice seamless um, connection between the front end and the back end. And the um, the cool things that you can do when you have a really nice front end. So a lot of people kind of get this impression that it's like, oh, Remix is like a JavaScript uh, backend framework um, that uh, you know for building websites, uh, not web apps. It's not for web apps. Um, and that is a narrative that we need to correct, or or a perception, I guess, we need to correct because uh, when you uh, we're not remixing the old technology with like modern times, we're remixing the old technology with modern technology and the things that you can do when you have that really seamless connection um, and actually have a lot of really uh, awesome experiences um, on the, the client uh, is not to be underestimated. It's really cool apps you can build now that you don't have to worry about race conditions and, and uh, optimistic UI and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, I think it's something very like, it was expected in a way because when you mentioned server rendering, like people go directly to backend and like mm. the other mindset. So we have this kind of like very uh, dual way of like seeing this, like you either doing client or you're doing like server rendering and then that's the complete opposite. Mm. I think people like they're not realizing that like this product comes from the minds of like Ryan and Michael who were like behind like React Router which in a way was one of the more client-related apps of the mom, right? So React Router at the beginning was very into client thinking. I always mm. even like seeing like today I was like uh, looking in preparation for this. I was looking at at, at a old tweets by Ryan where he's actually kind of pointing to this uh, apps feeling and that he wanted to kind of build React Router so it feels more like that. So. In a way, that context is as important as like the server rendering part. So that's where yeah. the actual remix happens, right? Like this is uh, server. Yeah, it has a lot of like the server rendering and it has like, but at the same time, it comes from the context of people that has worked on client apps uh, a lot. So it's kind of the perfect conjunction, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, um, <clears throat> Martin, you actually uh, also have a newsletter and I wanted to make sure to talk about that a little bit too. So uh, can you tell us about this newsletter? Like what made it uh, so that you wanted to to start doing a, a newsletter for what is right now a pretty small audience? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, because sure. uh, for like, you know, a small, small uh, framework uh, or a small community currently. 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the newsletter is actually called Multon. Uh, and I got the name, which I always feel like is important from like this Tom Moulton guy, which was doing remix in the seventies, I think. So I was just Googling for that and I found that name and it wasn't that kind of hard of a story, but like it had some context and like, I felt like starting a, a, a newsletter about remix would be a nice way to contribute to the community because I know that you like the remix, like the official team has, uh, uh, at least it had a newsletter. And I've actually received some emails, but I wanted to help because I know that you you guys might have a lot of kind of work right now and you might yeah. be kind of, <laughs> yeah, doing a lot of things. So I'm pretty sure that writing a newsletter with like the latest news uh, wasn't something that you had time to kind of put on. So I just felt mm-hmm. like contributing. And that was kind of the origins of the newsletter. I'm just trying to contribute because I feel like in the end, no matter how cool or like how good or bad, like a technological, from a technological point of view, a project is, it's mostly about people, right? Like if people mm. are nice and they're sharing and they're participating and like the project is going to, it's going to do well. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just trying to contribute in the most humble way that I can. Right? Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's, that is so true. Um, they, if uh, like it doesn't matter how technically good the uh, solution is, uh, if the community is no good, uh, yeah. then yeah, nobody wants to hang out there and, and use it. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, your presence in our community makes it better um, because of who you are, and we appreciate you contributing in this way too. Um, and so you you've done is, this week was um, the fourth newsletter, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fourth in five weeks. I missed it one. Because I yeah. was with COVID, so I couldn't yeah. really focus on finding you. <laughs> yeah, COVID is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, like, I'm trying to, I still try to find the format for it. For now, I started with some news, but I didn't want to just like send news. I want to at least have like, even if it's just two paragraphs of something that could be educational. So I yeah. added this, like, I'm pretty proud about like the use the platform section. Yeah, yeah, I like to that. Show something about the web. Uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna kind of like uh, at least I don't know by the tenth issue. I'm not I'm not sure what I'm gonna put in there, but yeah, i just need to keep digging. On. And you talk about like this, right? Like that you spend more time on MDN than in Remix mm-hmm. docs while building your site. So I'm kind of doing that, but only for like use the platform section. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's super. I really like that, uh, that section. And, um, yeah, I, I really appreciate that, uh, aspect of remix as well, that you, the better you get at remix, the better you get at the platform. Um, and so, yeah, for anybody who's listening, who's not already subscribed to this newsletter, uh, go give, give, um, Martina subscribe because it's a really good, good one. And also I am going to, I have a couple tabs open. I'm going to link to the, um, blog post you referenced earlier, the on rails, uh, blog post. So anybody who either has, uh, experience with rails or would be curious to know what somebody with rails experience thinks of remix, um, that, that is a a useful blog post there. And if you're, if you're curious, I have some war stories about that, uh, that blog post that could also kind of put in like the balance that remix is not perfect, but because like the developers were not perfect. So. I made some hmm. mistakes that could be also like some good, uh, I think, 
yeah, just like as a way to learn. At least I learn. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you mean, uh, like, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think I was too used to this, like, static generation side where you just build, deploy, and forget about it, especially with static stuff. So in this case, I just, like, I just built, I was using uh, a helpless CMS called Dado CMS. Uh, and I was just on their free plan. And the thing is that since I just deployed without uh, thinking about cash or anything, uh, I was this Saturday, I was actually fishing with my dad. And I started receiving like someone, it seems like on a Saturday, sent the, the blog post to Hacker News. Uh, this was like two weeks after I published it. So I was definitely not expecting something like that. And mm. somehow we got into the, the homepage of Hacker News. Mm. So I think like 10 minutes after I was receiving email from Dado telling me that they're like basically their limit there for like going to their API. I was you got slash dotted. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. So at, I think at 11 a.m. Argentina time, the site got down. And like I could, I couldn't even get into the data dashboard in order to pay because oh. I had 3G or whatever, so I couldn't even do that. That's so bummer. I could fix it. Yeah, I could fix it like 11 p.m. Uh, and I had to actually pay like I don't know, like 2,000. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, just to kind of get the site up again. And the thing is that uh, when I got into Hacker News again. There were a lot of people commenting that the fact that the site was down was talking about JavaScript in general. They were just bashing everything, like reaming JavaScript, but no one occurred that it could be like the developer's fault. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the lesson there is like uh, good development includes uh, thinking about caching, even if it's just basic cache. Because if I had included just some kind of cache control, this was a just a static blog post. I could just include an infinite cache on the on the CDN, and that would have totally fixed it because you wouldn't have to go mm. to their API every time. So think about cache, even if it's just basic cache, because it's important not only if you're using Remix. Uh, that's one of the things you just mentioned. That learning about cache is going to give you a lot of good things whenever you decide to kind of go beyond Remix because you're going to be a better web developer. So yeah, that's kind of the lesson that I learned. Yeah. Wow. Kind of ruined your fishing trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, a, that's an unfortunate. Um, yeah. That, that's the thing. Like um, we can, and, and hopefully eventually like that sort of thing will become even easier uh, with the, the future as well. Um, but like, yeah, that, for a blog in particular, where it's not unique to every user, um, it's pretty easy to just stick Cloudflare up in front of it or, or any CDN yep. really um, to to cache that. Yep. So yeah, fun lessons learned. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think we're too used to that. The thing we're too used to like, even if like, no matter if it's the tool or the platform, to do that for ourselves. Mm. And it's fine to not worry about that, but at the same time, it's good to know about it uh, and mm. like. We are web developers, so we are not marketers. So to not know, for example, about cash, I consider that to be, in a way, a flaw and that we need to know about that kind of stuff because it's powerful. So mm. that's where, like, the, in a way, I feel like developer experience is kind of like a nice thing 
but it's mm. also nice to know what's going on under the hood, right? And at least the web. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, something that I have heard often said is you should understand your level of abstraction and one level below yours. Um, and so for us web devs who are doing, whether it's front end or back end, I think the network is probably a good level of abstraction to, to understand, even if you don't directly interact with the network, um, you're using like Fetch API and stuff. Um, yeah, still good to, good to understand. Cool. So, um, Martin, we've got just a minute left. Um, we, of course, we can go a little over, but um, what would you say is one thing that people could do to improve their user experience? Uh, I think a good a less like a, a, a good lesson generally for me, what's been on my career is try to focus on the fundamentals, and not so much on the shining like bells on what's on the hype, because the fundamental is like uh, this like Tim Duncan on the Spurs, he was called like Mr. Fundamentals because he know how to do all the basic stuff and he could like build abstractions on top of those. So I feel learning like the fundamentals of the web that always pays off, uh, especially for building interfaces for the web. So learning about those fundamentals, maybe using Remix because that's a tool that actually kind of uh, pays if you actually do that, that's a good to kind of always be a, kind of a good web developer. Super. Yeah, love it. All right, Martin, what's the best place for people to keep up with what you're doing? Probably Twitter. Uh, I'm Marbiano3 because Marbiano, just Marbiano is taking Brazilian guy that doesn't tweet since 2017. <laughs> <So>, Rats. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Marbiano3 in Twitter, that's where I'm. All right. Super. Hey, thanks so much for giving us some of your time, uh, Martin. And thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you later. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye.